Hello everyone and welcome to episode 4 of Becoming. I'm Katherine Tang and in this episode I had a chance to learn more about Emily Chung who is an auto tech, business owner, speaker, and writer. I first met Emily when she came to Kingston to speak at our school board's Women in Trades event and I knew right away I wanted to have her on the podcast. Listen in as Emily talks about going to trade school while on mat leave, taking things step by step, and getting a new car every week. All right. So Emily, thank you so much for being on the podcast. No, thanks for having me. Um, so maybe if you could just start off, introduce yourself, you know, who you are, what you do, that sort of thing. Uh, okay. So my name is Emily Chung and I own an auto repair shop here in Markham and we've been in business for um, 10 years now. It'll be our 10th anniversary this year. Um, and I started the trades a little bit later than um, what people normally would do it. So I actually went through the university path and then ended up going into the skill trades later on. And so let's rewind sort of back to when you're little. What did you want to be when you grew up and what did you think your future would look like? <laughs> okay, so when I was younger, I had wanted to be a marine biologist. And um, so I was enamored with that life uh, for a little bit. And then after that, I thought maybe I wanted to be in corporate. I was born and raised in Toronto. And so I always thought my life would be, you know, living the condo life downtown and then working my way up the corporate ladder. Um, And I didn't at all think that I would be in the position that I'm in now. But I think that's just sort of how life goes. Um, So, yes, I really wanted to. I, I was into the marine biology thing for a little bit. And then afterwards, I thought I would pursue the corporate thing. Okay. And so you said you went to university. Where did you go and what did you study when you were there? Um, I went to the University of Waterloo. Um, I actually applied for every university that was outside of Toronto (laughs) because I wanted to (laughs) get away. So luckily, (laughs) um, the University of Waterloo accepted me. I actually attended there for um, a psychology and business degree with an studies, uh, sorry, a minor in international studies. And so I graduated out of there uh, with an honors Bachelor of Arts. And it was a really good, Bachelor of Arts is a good stream to go into because there's just so much flexibility when you get out of what you can do um, compared to something like, you know, engineering or computer science. Pretty much when you graduate out of there, you know, you're going to be into that field right away. And so it's, there's pros and cons to both ways. And for me, the Bachelor of Arts option was much better. As someone who also graduated with a Bachelor of Arts degree in psychology, I was really curious to hear what Emily did with her degree after university. After I graduated from university, I got, um, I worked for a couple of years as a psychometrist. So we would administer um, tests for our patients. So I would have one patient and five hours with them and I would administer maybe eight different tests and we would test different things like intelligence, aptitude, um, neuroticism, suicidal tendencies, pain inventories. Um, and it was just that job was a very humbling experience because some of the patients I had were my age and they were diagnosed with mild intellectual delay. So forever they would be functioning, you know, at a six-year-old level, yet they were my age. And it was really humbling um, to think that, you know, what well, we were both born in the same year and we just had two different paths. And I always think that, you know what, I really have no excuse not to make something in my life um, with what I've been given. Now, Emily had done her undergrad in business and psychology. So she left her job as a psychometrist, worked for a year and a half in human resources, and then came on as a project manager for her dad's company. He sells auto parts wholesale. So he actually sells brake parts to the people that I now buy from. And at the time, I mean, 
he could have been selling a coffee cup, right? Like I knew how the brakes were made. I knew how much to price them for, how to market it, how long it would take to ship over. I knew the logistics side of it. Uh, but I didn't necessarily know the technical aspect of it. Like to me, it was a product. Um, so that was my experience in his company. And then when I was on maternity leave with my second kids, so I have two boys, um, they're 11 and 12 now, but when I was on mat leave with my second son, um, at three months, that's when I decided to go to trade school to learn a little bit more about my car. So it was purely for a, you know, selfish reason of just, I wanted to know more about my car. I didn't feel comfortable taking my car in for service. And I also felt like it would help me, uh, with his business as well, given that he was in the automotive industry. And so I'm curious to hear what your dad's, um, what he thought about you coming on uh, with his company and what that um, decision process was like. (laughs) So me going into his company wasn't as big, I think, of a surprise as when I decided to leave his business. But initially, when I first joined his business, it was good. I mean, I'm an only child. And so the thought was that, you know what, I may just take over his business. Um, I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. I always thought that I would, I could be that person to take over something, but not necessarily create it on my own. So entrepreneurship wasn't at all in my field of vision at the time. And so you ended up signing up for this course, um, on your maternity. (laughs) (laughs) Um, tell us about the course and, um, what, what did you do? What was the class like? So it was a pre-apprenticeship program at Centennial College. And the way how our trade works is there's three levels. So you do three levels of schooling, you work in between, and then eventually you go and challenge the, the certificate of qualification, the CFQ, and you get your license after that once you've passed it successfully. So this pre-apprenticeship um, course or opportunity was what I took, and it gave me level one at the end of it. And it is... Um, basically what you would do uh, in level one as an auto tech. So you would learn about um, the basic principles of, you know, electrical um, systems with the car. You would learn about brakes, steering, suspension, transmissions. And I took it at the time thinking, well, you know what, I'm off work because I was on mat leave. And so I wouldn't have to take additional time off work, even though I was working for my father at the time, you know, to me, I was like, okay, well, I'm off work anyways. And so, I would go do this course. And it was an interesting experience. Um, I was one of three girls in a class of 40. And it was, yeah, it was a really interesting time. I think, you know, the first time, first day, I think some of the guys were trying to figure out what I was doing there. Was everyone around the same age as you? Were a lot of people like fresh out of high school? What did that look like? There was a lot of people who were way younger than me. I mean, I'd gotten to this this trade at 20 years old, and that's much uh, much older than than what they would normally go in as. Right, a lot of people go in straight from high school. And then the other thing that I always think about in terms of my experience at level one is that you know I was still nursing at the time, and so. I would wake up my, (laughs) so trade school starts at 7 a.m. at Centennial College. And I would wake up my second son at like maybe five, nurse him, go to trade school. In between um, shop class, I would run to the other side of Centennial, pump milk, store milk in their fridge, run back, you know, and continue on my day, go home, nurse, study, and then do this all over again the next day. And to me, I think, You know, if there's anybody out there, any women out there who are wondering how they can do it, if they can have, you know, a work, family, life, you know, balance, 
that it is possible. It's just a question of, you know, what is it that you're committed to? And, and then also understanding that there are certain things you need to give up. Well, I have to say I'm really impressed because I remember when I was on maternity leave and, you know, the inconsistency of sleep schedule and to be able to go to class at 7 a.m., like, that is amazing. Yeah, well, I mean, on the weekends, he would still wake up at 5, so, you know, <laughs> it wasn't that great. But, yeah, like I said, I knew going in that this is what I was committed to. I still wanted to nurse. I still wanted to do that with him. And then – and I still wanted to – you know, do the best that I could in trade school. Um, so yeah, again, there were a few things that I had to give up, but you know what, like at the end of the day, it's a, it's a, a wing of what is more important to you. Okay. And so after, um, you finish your pre-apprenticeship program, were you still on mat leave? What did you do after that? Yeah. So it was pretty close to when I was ending mat leave. And around that time, um, around, yeah, around that time is when I became a Christian, and I just really felt like God was calling me to open up a repair shop, which <laughs> at the time just seemed really crazy to me. Um, and it still does now because, you know, I had, I mean, I was 20 years old. I had never, I didn't think of myself as an entrepreneur, right? And so, nor did I think that I would, you know, run a, a repair shop. I mean, at the time, I only had level one. So I figured, you know what, if I'm going to be a mechanic, I'll fix cars, right? If I'm going to be a psychometrist, I'll run, you know, administer tests. If I'm going to be a Christian, then I'm going to follow my faith. So that's what I ended up doing. Um, so before it was time for me to go back to to my father's company, like the official end, I guess, to my maternity leave, um, I went into his office and I remember telling him that in one conversation, I remember telling him that I wasn't coming back. I was going to open up my own repair shop. I was going to learn how to fix cars. And by the way, uh, my cousin was working for him at the time. I was going to take her with me so she could be my service advisor. <laughs> so he took it well. <laughs> and, uh, and then now we're 10 years in right to this business. So I was going to ask, um, you know, you said that it was pretty smooth from human resources into his shop. And I was like, oh, man, this is like another sort of bomb that's dropping here being like, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I give my dad a lot of credit. <laughs> mm -hmm. He's definitely I think I think it was a little bit to be very honest with you. I think it was a little bit better in the sense that I wasn't coming straight out of high school saying all this to him. Um, mm -hmm. And I've learned a lot over time that, you know, what, what we say to people and their reaction really is a reflection of their perception of what should be true, not necessarily a reflection of me. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, when I said that to him, I think he felt a little bit better because, again, I was, you know, further on in life, so to speak. Um, and, yeah, I think that it just... It was, it wasn't an easy conversation for sure. Right. Um, yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think he knew if I wanted to do this, that, you know, this is, it was going to happen regardless. Right. I've been, I mean, growing up, I was pretty um, strong-willed, <laughs> to put it lately. <laughs> and you had talked sort of about not seeing yourself as on, as being an entrepreneur, but I'm assuming that, you know, starting up a shop all by yourself, or I guess with your cousin, that's a, that's a huge deal. Like what was, what did that look like? You know what? It was, it was a lot of one step at a time. So 
I mean, I not only being an entrepreneur, I had no idea how I was going to do it without, you know, having ever worked on a car like full time. Right. And Mm -hmm. my boys were still relatively young. And so, however, I knew at the end of the day that this is what I was called to. And I think that because I had such a strong um, sense of what the end result was going to be that, you know, what step by step, everything, I just took it, you know, one step at a time. I think the danger comes in when, you know, you don't necessarily have a sense of where it's going to land. And that's what makes me anxious. And I think that's, that's true for a lot of students that I speak with, right? A lot of them are very anxious about, you know, they're very anxious about today, where they're going to study, what they're going to study, because they don't necessarily know um, where, like, you can't see into the future, right? It'd be so different if I could tell you, you know what, at the end of the day, when this is all said and done, you are going to be whatever. You are going to be that skilled tradesperson and you are going to be that lawyer and you are going to be that whatever stay-at-home mom and you're going to love it. It's going to be great. Every little thing from now until then is just going to be seen as one step towards that. AutoNiche opened in 2009, and so I wanted to know what some of these steps were that Emily took. I knew that it was going to be in Markham because I did not want to have a shop far from where my house was. Mm -hmm. And um, in our area, there are automotive, let's say the industry is clustered in different sections of the city. And so it happened, right, that um, there was a unit that was empty. There was a few units that were empty. Um, However, the one that I had my eye on, that one was empty. So we put in an offer. Um, Of course, it it stood empty for... 11 months, like quite a bit of time. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I put the offer in, somebody else put the offer in too. Of course. And it just, of course, right? Of course. And so, (laughs) but you know, we worked through that one. And so they decided to accept our offer. And then, so that started with getting the space. And then I had to go and talk to suppliers. I had to step-by-step, right? Start the company, um, get it registered. And yeah, a lot of it was just, okay, one thing at a time. Um, And like I said, at the end of the day, I did really feel strongly that, you know what, this is going to happen because I was called to it. And I guess, you know, having the background that you had, having gone to school for business and having had some of that experience probably really helped um, you to make that step. Yeah. And I had a lot of good people along the road, right? Like part of life is about discerning who you can connect with that will help you leverage your current situation, right? You can't really do it all alone. Um, And so I had good people who knew um, the different steps that I could ask as well. Um, And yes, I did study psychology and HR, not HR, sorry, and business in university, but business, they don't necessarily teach you the the grinding stuff, right? Like the day-to-day little nitty-gritty things. Um, And so you, it was you and your cousin that you you know, recruited from your dad's business? And was it just the three of you when you guys started? Um, So then I brought on a technician that I actually worked with because part of the pre-apprenticeship program, um, I was working at a shop for, um, I forgot how, I forgot the length of time. I think it was maybe three months too. But I was working at another shop and so I actually recruited the technician there as well because I needed somebody with a license, right? Um, So I started off the business um, in a 2,100 square foot shop with two bays and one licensed tech and then my cousin as a service advisor. 
Right. And so you didn't actually have your full license at this point. Right. So then I built the business and I went back to school um, at the same time. So that was interesting as well. Yes. You just love to have a lot of things going on at one time. Yeah. You know what? I'm a firm believer of and more. How can I choose more, you know, and better things in my life? And so um, I knew that I, I needed to get the license one day. And so, yeah, I started building up the business. When the time was right, I then went back to do block. Um, so it was only two months and then ran the business too at the same time. And so I know that um, so you have auto niche now and you guys have grown again, right? So now you have what, three bays? No. So now, so I think it was two years ago. I can't remember because time just seems to pass quickly. (laughs) Um, But we doubled in our size. We're now in a different location. Uh, We're 4,000 square feet. I have five bays now. Oh my goodness. Um, I have a licensed tech as well as an apprentice. We do have a, like a general helper as well. And then I have two part-time admin staff with me. Wow. And so you're, you're taking someone on now as an apprentice as well? Um, yeah, so we do have, so since 2015, I've come off the, the bench and hired more apprentices. So nowadays I don't work on the vehicles anymore. In the true spirit of doing more, Emily has also taken on a lot of speaking engagements and writing. And I wanted to hear a little bit more about that. Um, so this is like, all of this stuff is stuff that I did not expect at all. Um, but there's definitely been many doors that have opened up. So, um, one of the earliest things that happened was I was then blogging for, um, for another website about car maintenance tips. And so, um, I was then becoming like a writer. And so I am an automotive writer now as well, but with that opportunity came, um, different, um, things with that popped up with different manufacturers. So then I would road test the vehicles now and also review the cars. So every week I will go to a, a manufacturer, pick up a vehicle from them, drive it for a week and then review it and then swap out another car. Um, every week. Yeah. I try not to get my schedule so crazy nowadays, but it, a few years ago I was literally booked every week from like March to November with manufacturers and this is through them like this is not through you know the website company or anything like that like I would go directly to them um so car reviews was something that I did automotive repair maintenance blogging is what I did as well um I then also write for a trade publication that goes to other auto repair shop owners and to me that's more of an honor I think when when it's within our trade right because really these people know what you know, what I'm talking about and they can totally call me out if, you know, if it wasn't true, you know what I mean? There's certain, certain level of honor, I think, to be able to write for my industry. I just have to say that this whole idea of getting a new car and reviewing my husband would be like, (laughs) the number of, you know, car review videos that he watches. Um, Yeah. That's just very cool. <laughs> it is a really good gig. I do have to say that the writing end is, is you know, it's not just you drive it. And so the writing mm-hmm. piece is always the work, right, part? But, yes, it yeah. is a very um, – it's definitely a blessing. And even for my kids, like, you know, I have to remind them that, you know what, this is not normal, right? People don't get new cars every week. Yeah. <laughs> and our shop, <laughs> we're meant to maintain these cars. And it's nice because I get to see the vehicles when they first get launched. 
And then I get to see them maybe three, four years out when they're actually in my base. So it's sort of a nice position to be in. And so this is sort of a side question, but I'm curious, like how much do you, would you say your kids know about cars? Like, are they into cars or is this just sort of part of the something that happens at home? Yeah, I think it's just part of something that happens at home. They're not necessarily gearheads um although mm-hmm. i do have them so they do my winter tire changes for our cars it's like for my personal That's car so nice. yeah and so i'll bring them into the shop they'll do it um i remember when my youngest was maybe five years old and we did an air filter change so they do tire pressures with me um so basic mm-hmm. maintenance stuff i'm sure that once they actually start driving that they'll probably get into a little bit more the other thing too though that they're not aware of yet right now is that it's not common for a female to be a licensed tech because in their heads it's just I've always done that and so I'm waiting for the <laughs> for that to kick in one day when they find out that oh my mom's actually cooler than this <laughs> and that's really interesting because it's you know for them this is their world this is what they've seen um, but a lot of like a lot of people don't necessarily have that experience right and the other thing too that um, that I want to mention, especially with my parents, is growing up, they never made me aware of what I could or couldn't do as a female. They made me aware of, you know, <clears throat> that I did well or didn't do well just based on academically my mark. But it was never a, hey, good job, you know, and because, you know, I'm a female. Or, you know, you didn't do as well because I'm a female. Do you know what I mean? That was never in the language growing up at home. And so even with my boys, like it's not in their uh, world that, you know, that I'm a female and a licensed tech to me, sorry, to them, I'm a licensed tech. That's it. And just sort of curious, like I I also grew up in Markham, had, you know, parents who were very open about sort of my options, but it was the options that they knew. And so, you know, what did, did your parents, you know, um, introduce you to trades at all? Um, encouraging you towards university what did that um what was that conversation at home my parents immigrated here from hong kong and so and again i'm i'm an only child so they really had their hopes set on me being university grad and i think some of the stereotypical stuff like a doctor lawyer architect whatever right and um i laugh because i remember i had an experience with my dad where he was putting together a barbecue when i was I think I was like teenage years and it was the most stressful like afternoon I can remember because he's just not, my dad is not like a handyman, right? He's great at business. He's great with communications, great with people. Uh, but you know, the handy stuff is not him. And so I did not have that growing up either. And I, I always tell the story too, you know, like I always thought that there was one kind of screwdriver. It wasn't until I was, in trade school, 28 years old, that I learned that there's actually, you know, three or four different types of screwdrivers. And so, mm. you know, you can only imagine the guys when <laughs> when they're all standing around me and they yeah. found out that, like, I had no idea, right? And it was fine. Like, I mean, I laughed it off. And in my head, I just chalked it up to, well, you know what? I never learned that before, but now I know. And now every time you ask me for a screwdriver, I'll be sure to ask you which one. So I think I first learned different screwdrivers when I was building IKEA furniture. Yeah. That was probably <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. From there, I asked Emily to share a little bit more about her speaking engagements. I speak about my experience in the trades. I also speak about my journey in entrepreneurship. What I love about speaking is 
I'm naturally very introverted, actually. So when I first, really? yeah, 100%, 100%. When I first started speaking, it was not something that I thought that I would be natural at. However, growing up, I remember, so I went to fine arts school. Um, and so we did a lot of performances, right? A lot of presenting let's go to the um so i went to claude watson in north york oh, yeah school okay school. i had a friend yep <laughs> so i did that in elementary school and then i went then to earl Hague um through that stream too and so when i look back at my life now i can see so many moments where it's just led me to this or it's given me some benefit to this can you think of something like in particular that you that you look back and you're like, oh, oh this- lots of stuff, tons of stuff. Like, okay, so performing, right? Um, just being on stage, having that presence, getting that coaching. Like, I now it helps me when I speak and also when I do different TV things as well. Um, and it's not to say that I'm like perfect at it, but it just, you know what I mean? It was, it helps. Um, even. You know, and I laugh too now. Like my mom, this is such a small thing, but my mom when I was growing up, she used to have me write cards and you know um so I would handwrite notes handwrite cards I would I remember like writing envelopes with addresses that she would have to correct all the time because I would be making mistakes and, <laughs> you know now um we write notes at the shop right we write personal thank you notes we write a lot of handwritten stuff here to our clients just to give them that personal touch and that's something that we don't get a lot no, anywhere, everybody right? either gets emails or they get bills in the mailbox right but i don't even know when the last time you've received like an actual handwritten thank you note for anything um it's not that common and so it helps us stand out and it really does bring that personal touch to the experience of of our auto service um even the hr experience that i've had before um now helps in terms of me dealing with employees or running the payroll whatever so a lot of stuff oh psychology that was like one perfect example is my role as a psychometrist, when I was running those battery tests, I would be very mindful of questions that I would ask. I would try to draw out as much symptom as possible. So, you know, if they were getting pain, where is it? What kind of pain was it? When did they get it? When it's cold or wet outside? And now with the cars, it's the same thing. When a client comes in and says, I have a noise in the car. Okay, well, is it while you're driving? Is it when you're turning? Is it a clunking, grinding, screeping noise? Like, is it, you know, when it's cold outside? So we have the same sort of questions here too now. Um, so that's something that I think really helped me when I was in psychometry that has carried over to this. Hindsight is sort of twenty twenty, right? Like you can see now all of these different things that have helped you to be where you are. But at, at the time, you probably weren't necessarily thinking about that. Not at all. Actually, some of the other things that have spun off of the the writing that I do is um, I now, so most recently, the first week of January, I went to Vegas for the Consumer Electronics Show, which is a huge show there. And I had the opportunity to attend that with Dell. So Dell Computers, um, they had brought me on to basically cover some of their launch that was there. And that opportunity came out because you know, I do car reviews for a certain website and my tech editor couldn't go. So I'm the motoring editor on that website. My tech editor couldn't go. So then he then asked me if I could cover with Dell. And so I did. And it was great. And to me, that's something, again, that another door that has opened up 
when I met with the VP at Dell, we started then talking, like he knew then, right, that I was in, that was in the automotive industry. So then we started talking about how the computer industry is related to the automotive industry. And it brings a different story that I can write about. And then one more thing that I do as well is I teach at the college. So I teach at uh, Georgian College up in Barrie. Um, so that's been another opportunity that has opened up because of where I am now. And do you find that um, teaching at the college, you also see people who sort of had a similar trajectory to you? Or how does that you know, give you um, sort of a different perspective? The students that I have are level, uh, sorry, not level, they're in first year. So they're coming out of high school. And what I see out of them is is more of the the thought that they they know that they want to be in the automotive industry, but the the industry is so large, and so they're really coming at it from uh you know this is what they love the their passion is cars, um but they don't quite yet know exactly where you know they'll land, and so part of my journey with them is to help them, you know, see the pros and cons of where they want to be. The automotive business school at Georgian College is the only one in Canada where it is for the automotive industry and it gets you a business degree or diploma once you're done. So it's not a technical school, um, but it is focused on the automotive industry. So again, a lot of students who go there, their passion is cars. That's really cool. Um, And so I remember earlier you were saying how the danger really comes when you aren't sure what the end is. Would you say that you sort of achieved that at this point or would you say that end has sort of shifted and changed? (laughs) The end is always changing for me. And so the way I look at life is my personal thought on life is that it's an endless journey, right? That, you know, you get to a certain goal, let's say, but there's always, there's always the next one. And so, and that's what life is. It's an ongoing thing. I don't think that I'll ever fully arrive, you know, Um, and just even my own experience of things morphing into other things, right? All the doors that all the different things that I do has really come out of my one, one, my one choice here, right? And so, yeah, I definitely think it continues to shift. However, um, knowing that there's a certain goal or a certain end, I think takes the anxiety off um, at the beginning of the journey, in this realm, is there something that um, you, I mean, you've been really good at kind of taking hold of every opportunity and <laughs> taking, stepping through those open doors. Um, is there a door that you um, are interested in opening sort of in the future or something that you want to pursue? Um, not right now. Truthfully, the teaching thing was a couple of years ago, I had just contacted a professor and said, Hey, I'm thinking of doing this. i I, me personally, I have, um, you know, one, five, 10, 20 year visions that I, that I've written out and sort of where I want to be. And so in one of these visions, I'm thinking, okay, you know what, I'll probably not be as involved in auditation anymore. What am I going to be doing with my life at that time? And so mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I might consider teaching. So I reached out to the professor and I said, Hey, I'm thinking of this in like 10 years time. You know, how did you get into it? How did you start? Um, and then the, and then the opportunity came where, you know, they had a course that they wanted me to teach and they asked me to go in. So you just never know. And I think that what you're providing with these podcasts is very valuable in the sense that, you know, you're allowing the students to hear about, Hey, this is how I can get started. Right. And so part of the journey is, 
you know, even if you don't know for sure what you want to do is to just go out and ask, hey, how did you get here? And you come off as like a very proactive person. And I feel like that probably (laughs) is a great quality for someone to have, you know, even if you don't really know what you want to do is to to take some of those chances. Yeah, there is some discernment in what I've gotten to know in my life as an entrepreneur, at least, is, you know, saying no to a decision is just as valuable as saying yes. And mm-hmm. um, not making a decision and waiting for a set period of time is also a decision in itself. So you're right. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not the kind of person to just, you know, wait indefinitely and, and that kind of thing. However, I've had to learn to, you know, give something 24 hours before I respond or, you know, do a little bit more due diligence before I make a decision. Or in some cases, say no. I've said no to many different things in the shop because I just felt like it would take our focus off of you know, what the shop could be. And I feel like in a world that, you know, almost expects instant responses, that's um, a really important thing for people to hear. Yes, yes. Everything is instant. And it's just, not only is it instant, but I feel like we are bombarded with a lot of stuff all the time. And it's just the awareness that I have control over what I see or hear or take in or agree with. Mm-hmm. And so I guess sort of to wrap up, um, thinking to, you know, those students that you teach at, at Georgian College or um, just maybe people who are trying to figure out what their life could look like, what um, advice or big life lesson would you have for them? Um, I think especially in the skilled trades, you know, um, and I say this all the time, skilled trades is, is one of those careers where you have to do it to know whether or not it's really for you, um, to get in there hands on and and actually make it happen and see if that's something that you enjoy. Um, And for people who, I do have a lot of students, like I said, who sort of don't necessarily know um, where they're going to be, but they, they know what they're interested in. And so we're really good at knowing what we don't like. I think it's probably easier when I ask somebody a question for them to tell me what they don't like versus what they do like. Mm -hmm. And so even there's, there's, um, there's, wisdom and even that right and to be able to write it out and kind of lay it down and see how it sits with you and just let it sit and percolate right so when I do come across students who kind of struggle with that I usually ask them to okay write down like what it is that you don't like and what it is that you do like as a list and then let it sit for at least 24 hours and go back and see you know or what career is it that you that you think is really good that would fit in with you or what career do you, do you for sure not want to do? <laughs> right. Cause there's stuff mm-hmm. that we for sure would not want to do. Um, and then again, write it out, like have it in paper on writing and go back to 24 hours and see how it sits. So it's a step-by-step process and it's a lot of, you know, looking inwards as to what is really going to make you happy because the truth is we spend a lot of time at work and, you know, it would be such a shame if, we were getting into it for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Well, Emily, um, this has been really lovely and I learned a lot. Um, <laughs> so thank you again for taking time uh, just to, to chat and um, just for the reminder to, um, to ask those important questions and to, um, to take time to just stop and wait and think. Thank you for having me on. That's all for my conversation with Emily. If you want to connect with her, you can find her on Twitter at TweetingEC, or you can get in touch with the auto shop at autoniche.ca. Thanks, and see you guys next week.